You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to the Geekiest Show Ever, episode 64. Joining me as always is my partner in crime, selling all his wonderful collectible items and a yard sale. Kevin, how have you been this week? Uh, well, for the week, I've been extremely busy. Uh, work, uh, my first week back, full week back, so it's kept me hopping mad and, um, or not mad, hopping anyway at work. <laughs> and then we were preparing for a yard sale. And I've had to work a couple nights pricing things. Oh, dear. Now, you know, I, I feel for you because you're actually selling or have sold collectibles that you've got. Now, I have to ask the question, just between us guys, is this mm-hmm. a wife-imposed sale or are you selling it to get another better toy? <laughs> uh, I wish I could say I was selling it to get another better toy. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> our our listeners, and it's not a wife imposed sale either. Um, our listeners remember us talking three four weeks ago, I guess now about the move and everything, and we didn't start recording until almost midnight of my time. Well, I've just flat run out of place to keep a lot of my collectibles. Oh no! So, I mean, you know, we had I had my wife and I both had to downsize a lot of our stuff. Um, three, you know, three kids. It takes up their stuff takes up space. And one of the big storage closets I lost mm-hmm. when we did the move around. So today I was selling, along with other things, and we sold a bunch of stuff. We actually made a couple hundred dollars today at the yard sale. Um, it was always so good to make buy? a bit of money, but what, what did you end up selling? Well, the stuff I had for sale, and I only sold a few of them. And we're going to do another yard sale next weekend. So if any of my local listeners are around, and they're Dallas Cowboy fans, American football, um, I have what are called starting lineup figures, and I have been collecting them since the early, I guess it was the early 90s, maybe? Yeah, I started collecting them in the early 90s, and I had almost all of the Dallas Cowboy pieces mm-hmm. uh, from then up until 2001. Wow. Now, I had, no, you know, it was probably, we saw the picture, and we can post the picture in the show notes. There was... Um, I probably had about 30 or 40 pieces. Um, So when we downsized, I had to be very selective. And I kept, oh, I think four pieces, maybe five. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of them I put out for sale. Now, even though they were in a yard sale, they were not yard sale priced. Ah, yes, Uh, of course. No, I'm not (laughs) giving them away. So um, I sold them, you know, I had their prices from like $3.00. Some of the pieces are marketing for around fifteen to twenty dollars. Um, so I had, you know, I kind of knocked a little bit off. Plus, I already had them in cases mm-hmm. for display. Um, so whoever bought them could, you know, go ahead and put them up if they wanted them. Um, and anybody wants to come by next weekend and buy them, there'll be another yard sale. Um, so I was selling those off. Uh, my wife and I were selling a bunch of other stuff off. And on top of that, in cleaning out. And, and you know this is a geek, Mark. How many cables, oh, keyboards, yes. mice, um, switch boxes? Um, I, I'm trying to think what else or what else there was. You, you know, I even okay, had. I've, a, I've got cables that I don't even know what they're for. That, you know, that's oh, why shit. I put them in the cable box, and I know 
10, 15 years ago, they were used for something. You know, but you'll pull out SCSI cables and, and parallel port cables and UDBs. I, I think it was UDB. Uh, maybe. Apple desktop bus. Yes. ADB, yeah. ADBs. A- <laughs> I'm having ADD at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> ADB over the UDB for the AP. <laughs> Uh, I've got a massive cable box and you know it's always like oh I need a new cable and the wife goes oh you know maybe you should go through and and actually check what you've got and it's like "Mm, yeah it's a lot of work I've got to unravel everything and you know what's annoying I I twist them up all nice and neatly lay them in the box a month later they are twisted around each other they're like I don't know, serpents or something. They just, you know, it's like Toy Story. At night, they come alive and they just get all tangled up. It's uh, it's like Christmas tree lights. You know, how many times have you put Christmas tree lights away nicely? You take them out the following year, and it's it's like Chevy chasing in the uh, National Christmas, Lampoon, Christmas Vacation. He picks it up by, by one thin. Oh, we've got a little bit of a knot here, and it's this big ball <laughs> of just lights. And Oh, seriously, you, you almost want to just go and buy a new set because... You know, the boxes that they come in, too, you they don't, they back don't in go there. back in properly. You know, you try and fit them in, and it's like, you know, okay, maybe they were put in by machine, maybe a, a Chinaman, you know, put put them in. But, <laughs> you know, it's just how, in God's name, do you put this stuff back in the box? I hate repacking boxes. It's, you know, it's just one of the... I don't think anything other than an Apple product I've actually been able to repack properly. Um because, you know, they come with all this additional stuff and it just bolts yeah. out. And um, whereas the Apple stuff, because they've got the recessed um, sort of area where the iPad, for instance, will sit in or the iPhone, you can generally get it back together reasonably yeah. well. And with them not having all this additional plastic and then uh, additional booklets and so forth, it really works quite well. But uh, no, repacking stuff is just hard. Yeah. Well, you know, I managed one of the other things I had for sale was the very first webcam I ever had. I think it was, uh, it might be like a 640 by 380 webcam or something. It's, you know, it's ultra low resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that, but I managed to get it back in its original box. Wow. I did manage to do that. But I had, I, I set the tote of cables out there and I said 25 or 50 cents for, I don't care what kind of cable you want. Lady came up wanted a USB parallel printer cable. I said, "Well, here's a uh, uh, was a, a USB hub, like a 1.0 hub that had a little short USB cable on it." I said, "I'll tell you what, you can have the whole thing for twenty five cents." So she said, "Well, I can't go wrong for that." <laughs> so I said, Not at uh, all. "You know, yeah, I, I just I had a ton of stuff. I even had an old Mac. Uh, what is it? SE no Perform or something? I have to go look now. I forgot what it was." That I'm trying that I'm gonna sell. I put five bucks on. I don't know if it works anymore. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'd like to keep it, I don't have a monitor or anything for it. Um, I don't even have a keyboard for it anymore. So off it goes to a good home. And um, the stuff that I don't sell like that, I'm gonna give it one more shot next weekend. We're gonna do a yard sale because the community I live in is doing a community yard sale. Mm-hmm. So I'll take advantage of that. We'll set up again. Whatever I can't sell then, I got one friend that wants a lot of the old tech gear, and what I don't sell then, if I can't donate, I'll have to take it to electronics recycling. <gasps> so, oh, I know that 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 that's like euthanasia for electronics. <laughs> I know. 
We we're trying to sell the old tel- one of the old television. We have the television we bought back in 1990, mm-hmm. and we it works. It's only like a 20 inch quasar television. And it works, and I think we put 10 bucks on it. Nobody wanted it. Yeah, it's one we of would have gladly sold it for five. Yeah, it's one of those um, interesting things, though, that, you know, they're still valuable. I mean, people, especially with old consoles and so forth, uh, just would love something like that. Um, you know, the, the new televisions are just a little bit too high res and, and don't match the uh, original game developers' intent. Um, right. So, you know, they're, they're actually quite good. Um, you know, I, I actually, stupidly, I guess, find that hooking up a DVD player to the analog ports on my TV, uh, which is a dual analog CRT and a digital CRT, mm-hmm. uh, it actually produces a much higher quality image. It looks sharp. It looks beautiful. It's, of course, not near Blu-ray, but if I hook it up via HDMI and allow the upscaling to take place, oh, it's horrid. You just get pixelation, you get delays, you get, oh, just really, really awful stuff. So I don't know why that is, but if anyone's listening and has had that issue before, <laughs> let us know, because, uh, yeah, it's one of those really strange things. You'd think, why does analog quality look so great, um, you know, at the same size screen? Um, yeah. You know, and maybe it's just that, dvd because it is you know at the analog resolutions i guess um you know just looks better whereas the upscaling just defeats the purpose so you know it's just strange i I can't put my finger on it but it's a noticeable difference and it's so much so that i'm happy to have it hooked up with just standard analog cables i don't even want to put a hdmi connection uh in for that that unit um so I'm not sure what's happening there. Maybe it's the the actual DVD player upscaling, you know, whereas oh. the TV's upscaling the analog. I'm really not sure. But, yeah, that's, you know, I've been happy with the analog. So uh, sometimes old isn't bad. Now, you know, it's interesting. I was watching uh, a little earlier today when I was trying to cool down after sweat sweating like a you know what, and sweat dripping from places that it should never drip from. <laughs> anyway, don't want to give imagers, uh, listeners too bad an image. Um, I was watching an episode of Techzilla, mm-hmm. uh, one of the video podcasts that I, I watch, and they were talking, Robert Heron on there was talking about the, uh, a guy wrote in asking about why he was having such crap with his Blu-ray player and the way it was putting out to his HDTV. And they went through talking about, well, you know, sometimes you just got to reset everything to the factory defaults, especially if you move a Blu-ray player from one TV to a newer TV. Uh, and that's what he recommended doing was doing a reset on it. So Interesting. I might give that a try and see if it works. Yeah. How old's your Blu-ray player? Um, well, it's a, just a DVD player. My Blu-ray player oh. blew up. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I know. Um now, this one's maybe three years old or so. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got it while Blu-ray players were still around the $1,000 price point. Um, and as much as I wanted Blu-ray back then, it was like, yeah, no. You know, the PlayStation 3 at that stage was still $600 in Australia, so it was very pricey. Um, so I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go for this one. It's got HDMI, it's got the upscaling. You know, that'll be great, you know, and... Boy, I was bitterly disappointed. And it was Philips branded, so it wasn't a, an unknown brand. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you'd just think that it would perform a little bit better, but it just didn't. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, a little bit strange. <laughs> hey, Kevin, you know what? I um, I want to talk about a movie that I've uh, been watching. Um, you know, I've seen it twice now, and I absolutely love it. And let me talk about the service first that I've watched it on, and then we'll talk about the movie. Now, okay. the it, it's a, a called Crackle. And um, now this is a Sony service that basically is ad-supported. So you can get this on your Android, you can get this on the iPad, you can even play it on the Mac or the PC. And what happens is every 10, 15 minutes or so, like commercial TV, you'll get an ad playing for 45 seconds. But Mm -hmm. the content is free, and it's beautiful content. It's uh, probably DVD quality, and it streams Mm -hmm. down on, on the net. Uh, so you can find more information about that at crackle.com. But what's the good thing is it's got movies like Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2, uh, the movie I'm going to talk about in a minute, Moon. Um, it's got some of the great Sony um, films, and they they swap it and change it around each and every single week, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, and give you new content. And it's just really good. This is the way I wish iTunes was or had an option to have, you know, would you like to watch a movie and then have it ad-supported, but watch it for free and not have to pay for it? Now, something like the movie Moon is just brilliant. Ghostbusters as well. I, you know, I want to own that stuff anyway. And in fact, I do own Ghostbusters uh, 1 and 2, even though I technically like one better. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll do a Ghostbusters show one day. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because that's just... If I go down that rat hole, we won't get out of it. Um, <laughs> but the, the good thing with the service is, you know, you can take it with you on, on your iPad, Android device, and just watch it. You know, last night I had the headphones on, sitting on the lounge, because the movie I was watching was an R-rated film, so I didn't want the kids uh, watching it. And, um, you know, absolutely perfect. Didn't skip a beat. And uh, for a free app and then just ad-supported movie watching... Uh, you certainly can't go wrong. Now, moving along to the movie itself. So, Moon was released in 2009. So, around the same time as the Star Trek uh, Reimagination movie. And, you know what? When you think sci-fi, you think Star Trek, you think Star Wars, you think action, you think, you know, TIE Fighters, you, you know, you think, you know, just outer space, absolute chaos. Um, right. You know, big action scenes and so forth. Moon is completely different. It's an isolation. It's the story of man being isolated with machine in the most isolated place you could imagine being the moon. And basically, the storyline revolves around a you know a future world where um, where scientists actually mine helium energy from the sun, but on the moon's surface. And then they then jettison it back to to Earth, and it actually covers ninety percent of um, energy usage. And there's actually some scientific fact in there as well. So even though it's a fictional film, um, there's actually scientists at NASA who have said, "Oh, yeah, we're actually working on that technology, and hoping one day it may become a reality." Um, so it's kind of interesting. But the the amazing part is that it also then involves cloning now this is not an action-packed movie at all this is a very simple 
methodical movie. One actor, one single actor for most of the movie. And then a second wow. actor comes in. And it's all about the loneliness of space and what you do with your spare time. And after three years, because they're on three-year assignments, you know, the, the sort of view of losing your mind and, you know, <laughs> becoming unconnected. Um, and, you know, the, the corporation that this guy works for stops the live feed. And so they've got to do relay via Jupiter. And that's, you know, that sort of then makes it hard because it's all pre-recorded. So, you know, he records a message to his wife. His wife then sends a message to him. The problem is there was one original guy who was up there. Right. But he went back to Earth, but they recloned them. So they recloned the original guy so that he would do the same task over and over and over and over again. And then after the three years were up, they'd put the clone into, you know, the so-called shuttle to send them back. Uh But a new clone would be woken up to take its place. And then, you know, brainwashed and told a story that, oh, you know, you've just arrived, but there was an accident and, and you're in the infirmary. And, you know, it was through this that you know, they started to get suspicious. And then you had two clones, you know, knowing each other and seeing each other and trying to fight for their survival uh, and trying to contact their wife. And, you know, they ended up, you know, getting outside of the the perimeter area and they ended up, you know, calling home. And he was able to actually speak to his daughter who was, you know, when he left, you know, three or four years old and was now... 15 16 years old and it was just the you know i'm all for the big cinematic scores and the big movie uh uh scores and so forth and the music was just it was haunting you know and and itunes actually put it as a a thriller movie rather than a sci-fi movie and it does have that because you, you sit on the edge of your seat and you feel the, the just the the loneliness and the isolation, and it's just really really interesting. And you know that brought me into another top, sort of topic idea that I wanted to discuss today. You know we always hear about cloning. They uh, you know they cloned Dolly the sheep uh, back right. in I believe it was the late nineties. And you know it's that question of is cloning something that we should do? You know because these clones. With the same guy. They they were going through the same emotions. Because when they were awoken, they had a family. They had a daughter. They mm-hmm. had a home to go back to. But they really didn't. And it's like, okay, so if, if we had a clone of us, which would be pretty cool. I think I think we all agree <laughs> that, you know, having a second us would be interesting. Um, but then who's the clone and who's not the clone? You know, and, and that's, you know, they were arguing that point, you know, at one stage in the movie, you're the clone, no, I'm the clone, you know, kind of thing. And, but you've got the same emotions and you have to share the same memories. And it was, yeah. it, it was really unnerving, but the story was just delivered so well. It, it's uh, one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Um, it's just really, really nice. Um, but yeah, you know, should we be exploring cloning it's something that's possible but it's like mentally talk about screwing you up you know even if you're the original 
<laughs> yeah. you know, you'd be like, hey, hold on a sec, you know, um, you know what what happens here? It'd be unnerving, I think. Yeah, it would be. You know, that's. Um, I, I've always felt that when we do things like that, and they they get into it, just like with the Human Genome Project, you know, where they've gone through and, and broken it down. Well, I find it interesting from a science perspective. I'm wondering if we're dabbling in things that we really shouldn't be dabbling in. Mm-hmm. I, it always makes me a little bit nervous. I, you know, I, I don't want to bring religion into the show, but I, are, are we playing God? Or are we playing creator? You got to be careful. When they do some of that kind of stuff, like um, not too long ago, you talk about cloning. They, well, they went years, I guess it was around 19, the early 1900s, when the Spanish influenza was went around the world in an epidemic, killed, I don't know, how many millions of people worldwide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it died out, went away. And, of course, there's always this big fear about the next big germ that's going to come out and what it's going to do to mankind. Well, then I found out later they had found a, I think it was an American serviceman who had died from the influenza, and he was serving, if I'm not mistaken, in Alaska, northern Alaska, someplace. So he froze. Mm-hmm. Well, they extracted the virus from him and have it. I'm going, wait a minute, guys. Now, why do you have a dangerous virus like this laying around? Is this the one that, I, that I've heard on the grapevine through different news channels and that, that they have, you know, this virus that can wipe out mankind and they were discussing whether or not they should tell the scientific community what it is and what makes up the virus or whether they should hold the information to themselves? Is that the same one? Or was I, I don't maybe think- a year or so ago? No, this has been a couple of years ago that this happened. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's the fact that they're playing around, you know, well, we're going to learn from it. Well, if you drop the shit, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm being facetious, but come on, guys. Hey, you know, you, and I, you've, it, seen, you've seen the movie The Stand. You know, you've read yeah, the book The Stand. You know, I know that's about just it. one yeah. of a number of, of doomsday scenarios that, have you know been created in a lab, so to speak, and um, you know it, it's not so much the the sort of lab environments and and the safety that may be employed in the building and so forth. It's the people doing the testing and playing with yeah. this stuff that you, you worry about their mental state. <laughs> you know, you think um, how easy would it be? You know, it's like oh, let's just see if this works. You know, let's put on the mask and let's just spray a bit in the air and. <laughs> And see yeah, how many really. how many people fall. <laughs> well, you know, there was that movie a few years ago uh, called The Rock. Nicholas Cage, Ooh, Sean Connery. Yeah, that's an excellent movie. And that was the same kind of thing. They had that virus, whatever it was. Yeah, the uh, gas. Um, the Sarah, it, not Sarah. Yeah, was it was Sarah. Sarah um, gas. Yeah. But I mean, he at the beginning of the movie. Remember, they're in a lab playing with. Uh, uh, viruses or some other sort of yeah, gas that, or that's, something. That's right, because uh, one of the guys, um, I think one of the guys had an accident or something. You know, something, yes, something happened. Something went the off. That's right. Yeah, because he then the Nicolas Cage character. It's been maybe ten years since I've seen the movie, even though I love it. Uh, I should actually watch it again. But he um, he was the expert that came in to disable the uh, the weapons that they had aimed towards San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and then in the end, remember he had to jab that needle right in his heart after Ooh, he got yeah. exposed to the sarin gas. Oh man, needles! Ow. 
Yeah, I know. That's why I had to bring it up just to see the look on your face. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. Do I die or do I stick this thing in me? Oh, oh. oh dear. No, that was, that was a good movie. But yeah, you, you know, I don't know how many people worldwide and how many scientific institutions are working on stuff like that. And yes, you can learn stuff from that. But you can also say that mankind learned from the horrendous acts of World War Two and Hitler's regime, um, yeah. scientifically, you know. And it's like, do people really have to suffer for us to learn? Is it actually, is it worthwhile even risking the possibility of wiping out mankind just to find a cure for something, you know? Well, that... That's my point. I mean, you know, there's a there's a military base not too far from where I live that does uh, chemical and germ warfare research for the United States government. Hey, hey Kevin, oh. I, I think you better move. <laughs> well, you know, over the almost 50 years I've lived in the area, we know it's so far it's been okay. But but yeah, it, it always makes me wonder. You, you, you got it in the back of your head. Well, I mean... Uh, Back during all the stuff after nine eleven, when they were uh, mailing around the uh, the white powder, oh, the yes. uh, yeah, anthrax, the anthrax stuff, it, you know, all that stuff was just scary as hell. Mm. So you know, I, I I just sometimes think going back to where we started with the cloning and all, you know, maybe there are just things that that we as a species should not be playing around with. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the scientists in our audience. All two of them. They will, <laughs> you know, or anybody else that hears, they may disagree with me, and I understand that. And I have a hard time because, I mean, I am scientific in my nature. I'm an engineer. You know, that kind of stuff. I like it. But then there's the other side of me going, I really think about the, the whole scenario. If I drop this, how many people, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's, and- it's, it, it, it's a hard balance for me to maintain in my head. Um I mean, there's a lot of voices in my head besides that, but it's it's a very difficult balance for me as a person to think, well, there's the scientific benefit, the knowledge that we gain, and then there's the risk that if we screw it up, we could wipe out half of the people on the planet. Hmm. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have a hard it's time. It's certainly not worth the risk, in my opinion. I mean, if you look at cloning, some things that are good that they're working on, you know, replacement limbs and replacement organs and so forth um you know that kind of work is good it's just maybe not a full human being um you know and and yeah and you know trying to to find viruses that'll kill us all can someone just please try and find cures for all the ailments that we've got at the moment put the money and the research there and you know once we're perfectly cured and we're all happy and, and no one dies of of really awful things, uh, such as cancer, you know, let's, um, let's then test, you know, when, yeah. when the body's robust and can handle it. But, um, you, you know, just speaking of cancer, you know, we saw, uh, one of the Gibb brothers from the BGs pass away only this last week of cancer. Fantastic band, just absolutely brilliant. Um, but it got me to thinking cancer's like this, I don't know, it's not fashionable to die anymore unless it's from cancer. And I know that sounds bad, but it seems like there's so much of it out there. You know, every single person that you hear of celebrity status in the news is dying of cancer. I even know people in real life who are getting cancer and dropping off the fence. What the hell have we done 
to mankind that, that we're changing. I, I don't think, and I'd love to get some statistics on this, but I don't think if we went back 30, 40 years ago that the cancer rates were as high worldwide as they are now. It's a big thing. I have a theory on that, and, and it's purely a theory because I haven't done the research to verify it out. I think the reason you hear more people dying of cancer now is because we know more how to find cancers than we did you know, hmm. 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, that's, I'm that's sure. That's interesting. I am sure that, you know, back in the 20s, there were people that died that they couldn't come up with a really good explanation as to why this poor person died. Mm -hmm. And they probably died of cancer. But it was because we didn't have the, so here's you go to the scientist side, I think we didn't have the technology and the research to say, oh, Okay, this is a type of cancer, and you know, you know, unlike let's say, and if I get these statistics wrong, I'm I'm very sorry, but let's say like lung cancer, that's a huge thing. Uh, you all you you hear a lot, that was one of the first big cancers you used mm -hmm. to hear. I mean, as I remember it, um, people dying from. But now you you hear of all these other type of cancers where you know it's only one in fifty million people have this or something like that. Mm. Well, okay, that's probably true, but before you know maybe 10 years ago we didn't even know that and people were dying from it yeah so that's, it's that's a good you know, point uh, you know what and detection. i never you know i've spoken about this a lot with gretel you know in recent times and i would have never come up with that thought uh in all honesty that you know we detect more and and can find more so that's uh, a plus one for you kevin <laughs> so uh, you know, because I've, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about it and thinking, is it all these electronic gizmos that we've got? All these, you know, Wi-Fi networks and three G networks and television networks and microwaves going through the air, and you know, are we doing damage there? Are we doing damage to the food we're eating with all the chemicals that they put in to preserve it and so forth? You know, and maybe some of that is true to an extent. Yeah, um, I think it is. But you know, it, it, it's like. And the reason why I was thinking about it is, well, if, if my little iPhone that I love sitting and, and holding all day is going to give me some cancer in the hand, for instance, you know what? I don't want it. <laughs> if my <laughs> iPad, you know, that has Wi-Fi is going to, you know, do the same thing, I don't want that either, you know. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, I'd be interested if anyone listening knows a little bit more and has done some research. And certainly we, uh, we should probably go and do some more research on it and just... See, because it is interesting. It's, um, but I, I certainly agree with you that yes, they do. Uh, they do find more now than they used to be able to. Well, you know, it's it's just like back was it the fifties and stuff. Asbestos. It was going to save us all, insulate mm -hmm. everything with asbestos and all this stuff. And now we know just how bad that stuff is for us. Yes, yeah, you know a shame how many people died many back years then. Later, you find out. Oh. What was actually a good idea ended up being a bad one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, that always happens with technology and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes being the early adopters on certain types of technology eh, may not be so good. Like underfloor heating systems. Mm -hmm. I know some of the people that first, and I'm saying that because I know you're in winter and I'm in hmm. summer. and I'm dying and you're freezing. So, oh, my extremities are cold, Kevin. I left my gloves in the car and, oh, my hands are freezing. And my, my little <laughs> nose, I mean, it's like it's got an icicle dripping off the end. <laughs> There's a mental image for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's the, those systems, they, people are having trouble with those now. They leak. 
the tubing mm -hmm. in the floor leaks, it was crap or the plastic that it was uh, encased in or something like that. I've heard people tell horror stories about the whole floor just suddenly floated away type of thing. It was mm -hmm. like, ah, sure. you know, it sounded it, like a good idea, but. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I, I watch a, a lot of these ghost hunting shows and, and so forth. Uh, and, you know, one burn, of course, ghost hunters. And one recurring thing that they keep um, looking at to try and disprove a haunting in a house is the electromagnetic field that's produced by different cabling and, and power boxes and so forth. And it's rather interesting because they're able to say, well, you know, there's not a haunting here. You've just got all these electromagnetic fields that then impact them, you know, with the brain and making you see things. And it's, you know, it's very interesting what these things can actually do to the brain and to the human body that we don't really fully understand. Um, yeah. You know, if, if it can, if a power box next to you or within a vicinity that's, you know, leaking a, a relative amount of EMF can cause you to be delusional. That's, that's scary stuff. You know, that's, um, that's really messing with someone's head. So, uh, yeah, and, and of course, then we, you and I, like, we're sitting here surrounded by electronics. You've got that lovely morning monitor glow going on. Um, I, I'm, I'm holier sitting... than thou at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin looks uh, like he's sunburnt. So, uh, but that, that's because you've yeah. got three monitors going. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you get, more like you uh, the, the even, you know, three D tan going there, Kevin. <laughs> well, as long as I don't put my bum up and try to get it tan oh. while we're. You, well, you know, we as have long to as talk about our bones. Well, we we cut the video feed then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't go a show without talking about our bones. It, it doesn't seem possible. And you know what? That Pe people actually listen to the show, and um, I don't know. I don't know how people put up with our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I, you know what? I give people credit for listening to us and coming back week after week. I think it's great. <laughs> Yeah. Now, oh, and uh, thanks to uh, Mark Shepard and uh, he who shall not be named for the big shout out on Twitter this week, by the way, uh, for the show. Indeed. I want to thank them before I forget again. And uh, Mike McPeak also. Um, oh, yes. Just he, a little while ago. Yeah, he said that uh, South Dakota, I hope that's the right doesn't one. Doesn't have Amtrak Doesn't service. have Amtrak service. So, um, yeah, it's, it's silly. Should be everywhere. Make life easier yeah. for people. Because well, cars the, and petrol are expensive. The, the if, only thing... Sorry, I'm Kevin. sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, the only saving grace is by them not having Amtrak services. He doesn't have to worry about me showing up at his front door anytime soon. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think that would be a problem. I think you'd be more than welcome. But, um, no, I, I just... I like train services. You know, it's... Um, it's one of those things, like, anyone who follows my Twitter feed on a Sunday morning will literally see me go off for about 20, 30 tweets going, this bloody idiot cut us off, had a near miss, and this and that and so forth. And some of the stupid things you see on the road, and it's like, I don't want to drive anymore. I don't want to be in a car anymore. You know, it, it's that chaotic and that crazy that, you know, I fear for my life. I, I love the, uh, the episode where Sheldon uh, decides to... You know, preserve his body because he's waiting for the um, the date of singularity to, right. to mesh man with machine, and then you know once the the vegetable mix didn't work and he thought he, <laughs> that he had a problem, and then he was just blowing wind. Um, once <laughs> that, that that's just, that cacks me up every time I watch it. 
Um, but then after that, you know, he, he becomes this virtual presence. Uh, and that's the one with Steve Wozniak in it as well. Yeah, and, at the end, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he becomes this computer monitor and he sits on his bed and he's going around. And the funniest part, though, is in the car when he's he's there with Leonard and he's, he's looking around, the screen's moving, which is really cool. And he's, you know, oh, wow, I can really enjoy this this trip to work so much better, knowing that I'm not going to end up in, in like, a fiery, you know, uh, death. death and, death and crash. so forth. You know, and not be mutilated or whatever it was. And, um, it, you know, it's true. It's one of those things. I, I must have a lot of Sheldonisms in me because, you know, look, I used to you know, drive around all the time. Used to absolutely love getting in the car and driving. And in recent years, I just absolutely hate it. I, um, I do it because I have to, not because I want to. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it's a shame. It's just one of those things that it's just too many accidents, too many bad drivers. And, and we've got, I don't know how you guys go in the U S but we've got a big problem out here with drunk drivers and and people drinking and then driving and, and frankly I wish they'd wrap themselves around a pole and, and do a favour for society and humanity and mm-hmm. you know, not take anyone with them. Um right. you know, it, it's just it's really, really dangerous. And um you know We the, don't have the police do breathalysers all the time. You know, up, up near us we've got a breathalyzer station that, you know, every couple of days they're there at certain times and you pull in and they breathalyze you. And that's all well and good, but the problem is we've got such weak laws that, you know, oh, these people just get, you know, a fine and you pay the fine and, and then you lose a couple of points on your license and you've got 12 points. If you lose the 12 points, you lose your license. My opinion is it should be zero tolerance. Screw you. You drink and then you drive. You're a fucking idiot and, you know, you don't deserve to be on the road. You don't deserve to put my family in danger just because you're a screw loose. Um... Yeah, you know, I know I, people will disagree with that point, but anything that can impact, you know, drugs as well, anything that can impact your perception of reality and what you're actually doing when you're in charge of a motor vehicle, just it should be zero tolerance worldwide. They just should outlaw people like that. They're, they're the type of people I want to have lined up against a wall and shot. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I've, I've got no sympathy for them. Well, you know, uh, around the area I'm in, I don't think, uh, and I'm outside of Washington, D.C., I don't think, I don't see as much of the drunk driving as I do see road rage, angry mm-hmm. drivers, or distracted drivers. I see both. Um, we did have a really bad uh, crash that took an entire family. Uh, it's been just about a year ago. A young man was... I think he was 19 or maybe 20 years old on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, uh, ran a stop sign or didn't stop at something, hit a, uh, Jeep. It was a Jeep Wagoneer type of thing. Uh, Cherokee mm-hmm. hit it in the back and he hit it so hard. He drove it forward, knocked the fuel tank out. It went forward, exploded inside the car mm-hmm. and the entire family of four burned to death inside the car. Uh, it was a husband, wife, and two small children. Mm. Uh, horrific, uh, absolutely horrific accident. Um, and then just a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a driver, which by, from what I know of the case so far, was you know speeding and not doing what he should have been doing. Uh, crossed the road, flipped the car. He died, and I put another per- at least one other person in the hospital. Mm. So I see more of that type of thing 
you yeah. know, road rage, angry drivers, distracted drivers. Yeah, we, we uh, get a little bit of road rage, but we don't get a lot. Like, you know, basically people flip the bird all the time at each other, and that that's about well, as road ragey as it gets, although sometimes you do have problems. But, um, yeah, we're, we're more on the drunk side of things, so um, down the pub and having a few drinks and then thinking that you're okay to drive home. You're not. So, no, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I just wish, really, that they jailed them immediately, um, you know, Take them off the road. I, I honestly can't understand that. I've look. I, you know, it's not that I'm not someone who enjoys a drink. I, you know, I enjoy a drink every now and then. But I always make sure that if I'm going to have a drink, that there's no reason why I need to drive in the next twenty four hours. So that way yeah. I can enjoy myself. I can relax, and then I don't need to worry about it. But you know, people drink the night before, then drive to work the next morning. They're still under the influence. They're still running the risk. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's not fair to innocent people. Yeah, I, I, I'm so terrified with the way the drunk driving laws are here in our country, or at least not in our country as much as the state I live in, in Virginia and the United States. And, um, they're, they're kind of tough, although I don't know that they're always applied fairly. Um, but you know, that's not for me to decide. Well, yeah, you know, they, they never are even out here. You know, you have more problems, you know, it, you know, if you speed 10 kilometers over the speed limit, it's worse than getting picked up drink driving. It's just, oh, it's absolutely nuts. It's, um, frankly, we should kill all lawyers and sink them to the bottom of the uh, bottom of the ocean. <laughs> that, that, that's my opinion. But they're the idiots ch- trying to justify it, you know, to keep a job. Let's, let's be honest. What's a lawyer? Someone trying to justify bullshit to keep a job. That, that's all they're doing. They're, they're arguing with each other. And both lawyers, if they've got half a brain, know that the that one of them is wrong. Plain and out wrong. You know, someone's guilty. Someone committed a crime. It's like, you know, look, I, you know, I've been charged with assault after a, a bit of, you know, drinking and so forth one night. And the biggest problem was I turned around and I said to the police, yes, I did it. It was my fault. I did it. I was provoked, but I still did it. I told them step by step what it was. My blood sucking lawyer turned around, dragged it out for six months, said, oh, we have to get a barrister in. Oh, you know, you you shouldn't have said anything to the police. You should have just said no comment. They wouldn't have had anything on you. And then she wanted me to lie to the court and say that we didn't get paperwork and everything. And it's like, you are taking me for five and a half thousand dollars over something that I put my hand up and said, I'm guilty. Give me the bloody penalty. They justify their own existence. I can't stand them. Let's shoot them all. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting the feeling I may have touched a nerve here when we started talking just, about lawyers. Just, just a little one. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I haven't come across a good lawyer in my life. I don't believe they exist. Um, you know, some just some of the things that you see and, and some of the injustices that are done in the courtroom, just because one lawyer is better at arguing a point than than another one, um, oh, it's just ridiculous. You know, I, I like the Back to the Future, uh, you know, episode two where they abolished all lawyers and, you know, you, <laughs> you were guilty, you went to prison. It happened in minutes. And it'd save a hell of a lot of money, that's for sure. 
And uh, you oh. know, th- those lawyers can go and work at the, the local Hungry Jack's flipping burgers, you know. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's about the, the most useful job they can do once they, they finish up with law. So anyway, Kevin, yeah. we'll probably be sued out of existence for that comment. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the listeners would agree with me that blood-sucking lawyers are literally blood-sucking lawyers. And the uh, what's the joke about them being a at the buried at the bottom of the ocean. It's a funny joke, but I, I can never recall it when I need to use it. That's not one I know of. It, it's a good start. I, I think, uh, you know, burying something like sinking lawyers at the bottom of the ocean. It's a good start. Something like that. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> now, they, and they get paid too much money. Let's, let's be quite honest, you know. You, and they're lawyers. They're plain out bullshitters. They just bullshit. And you know, I'm I'm a type of person that doesn't like to lie. I it I really detested even w- little white lies when I just have to with the kids or something like that. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that you know I just cannot stand lawyers for. It's like you're lying. You're plain out lying. You know different, and you're lying. You're bullshitting. It's like, geez, you know, you can actually have a job that pays big money, and all you have to do is bullshit. So, you know, <laughs> okay, that how we're so, paid. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but we're not paid though. We bullshit for the fun of it. <laughs> we're paid in the in the adoration of our listeners. That's how we're paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And hopefully, none are lawyers. And if you are, you know that you're wrong, and you know you bullshit. So that's all right. <laughs> anyway, before we go on any further with that, let's talk about Casablanca because you actually watched that movie this last week, but you only watched part of it. Kevin, 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 I'm disappointed. Well, I have to tell you, I found uh, a, a series of the movie um, on YouTube, so I started watching it. There. Oh, you watched the the TV series? No, no, oh, no, no. Oh, oh okay. So you watched part like part one, two, three? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they had like broken into how many parts? And actually, I, I will say I enjoyed it, but I've been so tired and, and uh, beat down this week from work. I haven't finished watching the whole thing, so. Maybe over the long holiday weekend, which we're having here in the United States, I'll get to watch the rest of it. If not, at some point in time, and I was looking while we were talking, too, I have Crackle service here on my Roku box, which is another topic we can get into if we want to on the show. But um, I maybe I'll find it on there or something someplace. But I did watch it. I watched, like, the beginning bit, and I watched the very end where they're at the airport. Oh, you, you missed you missed the whole center part. Oh, oh I can't no. remember how far. Watch, you're watching it back to front and all over the place. That's not good. <laughs> uh, I do but, that at times with movies. But, you know, it, it is a fantastic movie, and um, I, I, pers- I, I, I personally love it. I, I just think it's, it's so simple, um, and it really hits a human chord for me. Um, it, it's just a brilliant movie. I... Yeah. Well, it was it was it was what I saw of it I enjoyed. So I am going to watch it beginning to end all in the right order, Mark. I'll do it mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> so I can see the whole story. Um but I and I enjoyed it. And and talking about old movies that we it, since we're on the topic, this weekend here in the United States since it's a Memorial Day holiday weekend, AMC, uh the channel, I believe it's AMC, mm-hmm. is airing all these great old war movies. Some of them Fantastic. not really that old, well, 
they're older than you. All right, but well, some let, of them are... let's see. If... <laughs> hey, I love old war movies. Um, you know, I'd never have the the guts to go to war myself, but I, I certainly like to experience it through different forms of media. And um, so let, let's talk about the ones we like. I'm a, a big contender for The Great Escape. Yes, I, I love absolutely that love that. I've got the book of that as well. Um, just a fantastic uh, real life story. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, I have to tell you a story about that. Yes, I like that movie too. That, that's a good quick, one. Uh, I'll do a quick side note for okay. that on that if I can. Little rat hole here. That movie came out in 1987, mm-hmm. and everybody goes, "How do you know that?" Well, my dear, dear wife. The, I was ta- This was long before we were married. We knew each other. Mm-hmm. Her and I were talking, and I, she said, what are you doing this weekend? We were just talking at work because I worked with her at the time. And I said, oh, I think I'm going to go catch that new movie called Full Metal Jacket. And she goes, oh, I'd like to see that. So our very first date, huh. we went to see Full Metal Jacket. That, that is was- cool. And, and, of course, you know, the rest is history. We've been married uh, 20-some-odd years, you know. Three beautiful children. Um, I'm not sure if she still likes me or not. But anyway, that's what <laughs> I um, But I will have to say on our 10th wedding anniversary, she gave me a copy of Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Superb. And I, I still always look at her every once in a while with the, when the scene comes up. So I go, this is my rifle. This is my gun. This is for fighting. This is for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that's funny. You know, so, that's, I'm sorry. that's great. I, I love that idea. That, that was the first movie you went to see. and First it, date. And, you know, that is that is so untraditional. You know, if you look at it, the woman wants to always go and see this mushy romantic movie and the guy's always dragging the feet going, yeah, I'm just trying to get laid. Can, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it in the hopes of... Um, yeah, but yeah, to, but anyway, to watch because that's a pretty hardcore movie too. Um, it's not, oh my god, yes, it, it's not for the light-hearted uh, at all. It's not for for people with a a weak constitution. It's really, <laughs> really, it, it's about as hardcore it's as graphic. you can get. Yeah, it's definitely graphic and as hardcore as you can get a a, a movie-based film. I don't think I've seen one that has been as torturous on on the mind um in in sort of putting you into that time period saving private ryan there's a different time period but it was yeah it was pretty it was pretty you know what the problem i sort of have with saving private ryan is it's just too much triple a hollywood in there um and that's what i didn't like about it so much i think it was oh okay just, it was known actors and actors, you know, full metal jacket. Yes, I'd had known actors, but, you know, it's hard when, when actors, okay, it, it's like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ashton Kutcher doing the Steve Jobs movie. It's like, there's absolutely no way I can take that clown as being Steve Jobs. You know, okay, some <laughs> people may say, well, Steve Jobs was a clown, but, um, you know, Ashton Kutcher is a great comedic actor. Sometimes, depends what he's in. Um, <laughs> but bottom line is, he always reminds me of that seventies guy. No matter what film, TV show he's in, 
and just doing a, a serious movie, like a, a bio-epic of, of Steve Jobs, I just go, man, that's going to be an absolute disaster. You'd have to be the best actor in the world to pull that off. Um, and I, I find that sometimes you get, you know, actors like that. Some can, can easily go and swap between different roles um, and make it believable, and others are typecast somewhat into a specific genre. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, Patrick... Patrick Stewart, for instance, um, he's always Jean-Luc Picard. You know, he, he's always uh, that character to me, even when I watch him in something else. Um, you know, when, once they get typecast into that role, it, it gets very hard. And I think sometimes, you know, the, the movie filmmakers try to assemble a brilliant cast. And what, oh, there was one recently with Adam Sandler, oh, Grown Ups, where it was an all-star cast, it should have, and all comedic actors, stand-up comedians, and and television and movie comedians. It should have been the the funniest movie of all time. In fact, it was just it was rubbish. It was absolute crap. It, you just wouldn't want to see it. It was. Oh, I remember that movie. I haven't seen it all, but I know the movie now. I'm trying. I'm sitting here trying it, to think of it. It was just no laughs. It was all predictable. It was just. It ended up being really, really dull and boring. And. Yet it had a, an all-star cast, and I think sometimes, you know, it, it can just be done a little bit too much, and, and that's what I feel with, with Saving Private Ryan, that it just had too many big names in there, but no one sort of shone out, but they were all sort of blended in, and it just didn't fit well for me. Well, you know, uh, you were talking story, about... It's a good story, though. It, it, it's a good story. Oh, yeah. So I, I enjoyed the story, but I wish they had used different actors, perhaps, and especially with war movies, I like to see more unknowns. Um, although in, in, in saying that, you know, the two war movies I've mentioned so far have knowns in them. And then the third one, I was going to mention the green beret, um, you know, very, very well known. I mean, if you don't know John Wayne, you've been, you know, born in the wrong <laughs> planet. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. and you know, John Wayne's one of my, my all time favorite actors. And you know, that movie is quite controversial anyway. Um, you know, when I just it was saw it and so forth. Oh, only recently. It's been probably a year since I've seen it. But, well, it's um, it's it, it's one of the ones that's on as part of the AMC oh, okay, yep. war movies. So I was watching it. I guess it was yes yesterday evening when I got home. I watched it for a while. Yeah, the the, the most chilling part is when uh, Peterson dies, and um, you know, oh, when he gets pulled up and slammed against the uh, yeah. But then then when they go back to the airfield and and the young. Vietnamese boy um, who's become attached to him, you know, mm-hmm. that they've got to try to, to tell him that, no, he didn't make it back. And that's heart-wrenching, that scene. Um, just yeah, I remember. Brilliant filmmaking, but, but heart-wrenching because you know damn well that that happened, you know, multiple, multiple times, that kind of event. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, really, really hits the heart heavy. Yeah, it was uh, that's. But I do like that movie. That's a good. One. The other one that I caught that's one of the many they're showing is the Battle of the Bulge. You know what? I You're... can't recall seeing that one. I, you know what? I I know the name. I'm sure uh-huh. I've seen previews to it, but I honestly can't recall sitting and watching that whole movie. If I ever have it, it's been one that didn't really hit me well enough to sort of put in the. The wish list, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I don't a, think it, so. I, I think it's one that I haven't seen. If you get a chance, I think you'd like it. Uh, World War Two. I mean, you know what the Battle of the Bulge is, of mm-hmm. course, I'm, or I'm assuming. 
So it's a pretty good flick. It has, uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Jimmy or uh, Henry Fonda has a pretty big role in it. Um, Charles Bronson, uh, Telly Savalas is in it. Oh, Telly Savalas is just a fantastic actor, isn't he? <gasps> Every time I see him, though, I think of Kelly's Heroes with Clint Eastwood, where they go mm-hmm. after the gold in the bank, and they're oh, yeah. and Donald Sutherland, and all. That's a really good movie. Now that's about as unserious as a movie can be. <laughs> But it's a great, it's a great flick. Um, but those are two that I enjoy, and then of course one of my all-time favorites is uh, Midway. I remember going to yeah the, about the Battle of Midway, Charlton Heston. I mean, it's got uh, oh god, oh, you know what? Tim's Tim's going to kill me for this one because um, I am a Charlton Heston fan, and um, he'll be going, "What? You haven't watched anything other than Planet of the Apes?" <laughs> and it's like, seriously, I've missed that one. Um, you know, I also love Charlton Heston in the in the Omega Man. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, that you know, that was just absolutely superb. That movie, but um, you know, I like zombies. <laughs> so what can you say? Um, and that's you know, that's completely off the war topics, but um, yeah, it just came to mind. I uh, I would encourage you to watch Midway. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good you know about the battle and. It's, I don't know. I mean, it, it follows the true story, and then they put in some personal stories behind it. So um, it's an interesting movie. And if you like Charlton Heston, he has a major part in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, Henry Fonda's in that one as well. I mean, tons and tons of big-name actors in that one. And it's got a lot, Of course, they use a lot of stock war footage, but I don't know. I remember going to see it, and the big thing was it was in Sensoround. When you went to the theater, you know, that was before <laughs> Dolby or any of that stuff was big. So, I mean, you know, the, when the bombs went off and, the you know, they were hitting the Japanese carriers and stuff like it was it was amazing. But you should go watch it. Those are some of my favorite uh, war movies uh, when you talk about World War Two and stuff. In Vietnam, I do love uh, uh, say the, uh, the one you just mentioned, uh, Full Metal Jacket. The other one I like about Vietnam... Is and it's not really a. Um, uh, it doesn't deal much with the war. It deals more with the politics behind it. Is Robin Williams' film "Good Morning Vietnam"? Yes, I, I haven't seen that for a long time, but I remember when I did, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's more of a political commentary than than talking about the war itself. Mm-hmm. So, it's a good one, and I love movies about the First World War, especially the. Uh, air battles during the First World War because that fascinates me how those men were brave enough to get in those wooden planes and go up there and blast away at each other. It's like, these are some seriously brave souls, you know, to do that. Um, And then then the movies about the, you know, the Civil War and the American Revolution where you just stand there and shoot at each other, you know, 20 yards apart. And I'm going, you just stand there in a line, shoot, wait for the guy to shoot back. I'm going... (laughs) You're some brave people. That's all I got to say. Oh, hell yeah. Hopefully some lawyers were on one side of that. (laughs) (laughs) And zingo. He goes right back there. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, there there certainly is some great um, movies that have been made uh, over the years, you know, dealing with wartime and so forth. And, you know, we've said on previous shows that, you know, should we be glorifying war and, and or should we be talking about it? And, you know, it's hard 
you know, to make a good movie and then not glorify it and, and so forth. But certainly some of the movies pull it off and some do an absolutely atrocious job, you know, at the same time. Um, but some of the movies we've mentioned are just absolutely brilliant. Um, so uh, certainly check those out and we'll have links to them in the show notes. And I'll have to check out a couple that I haven't seen and, uh, and report back. Yeah, that would be great. Now, Kevin, just quickly before we finish up for today's show, you've got a, a Roku box um, that you're using. Um, now, I'm sort of new and fresh to what Roku is. Uh, you want to give me a quick quick description and tell me why I need one? Um, because it's not an Apple TV is a, is a good way. It, I mean, it functions a lot like an Apple TV. Um, and okay, if, if you've I... got an Apple TV, would you get a Roku? You might, because you have access to other channels. And, and as you were talking about Crackle early, I did a quick search, and I looked on my Roku box, and sure enough, I have the Crackle channel loaded oh, cool. on my Roku. I just have not gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it works. It's similar in that fashion. One of the main reasons I chose the Roku was I wanted something a little outside of the Apple ecosphere. I know that's for my friends, and I, yes, I'm still an Apple fanboy. Don't don't miss. Don't think I'm not. But I wanted something a little different, and plus, it would work with standard deaf televisions. Mm. Uh, we've had that discussion before, and it's real. It's got a really nice interface. Very simple. To me, it reminds me a little bit, and I really loved Front Row when they had Front, yeah, when front Row. I loved that, and it reminds me a little bit of that. But it's great because my Amazon Prime membership. We can watch movies for free on the television. We did last night. Last night we watched an old Don Knotts movie, which I dearly love. Don Knotts, I think he's hilarious. You, know, you can make a whole movie, great story, no cussing, no cursing, and great for the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, the movie we watched was made in I think 1971, called How to Frame a Fig. You I know, and it, it's you know he his movies didn't make a huge draw. Um, but they're enjoyable. They're just little farce type of movies. Mm-hmm. You kind of can predict some of the comedy and the way it's going to end up. Yeah, he's going to get the girl and, you know, all this sort of thing. But they're enjoyable. But I do like the Roku because I watch movies off my Amazon Prime. I can watch my Netflix movies streaming to it. I can watch um, uh, different podcast networks um, have it on there That's like cool. uh, – the. The other night I was watching uh, TNT on the Twit Network, um, just something to watch because television is getting to be crap. So oh, I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's where I fall back. They have all kinds of channels though, and there's some of them where they're like old television shows that are reruns, and it's all free. I don't do. I think I've only rented one movie through my Roku box through Amazon. Uh, we rented um, uh, Johnny English Reborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few weeks ago, and that was good. That was the first movie I'd rented through it. The rest of the stuff I'm getting, it's all free content. The remote works very nicely. It's an RF remote uh, instead of being an infrared remote, um, so it works great. You can even buy games to play. I mean, it's of course the box is great. You know, it's got Angry Birds on it. <laughs> the other, the other good thing is you can plug in a USB storage device and play. You can play pictures, videos, you know, anything that you've got on that storage device 
you know, if you happen to have copies of movies that have been put on said storage device, mm-hmm. um, you can play them directly from there. You just scroll through, boop, play. That's it. Cool. Can, All set. Can, can you actually just, save it down as well? Like save a local copy? It's saved on the, not in the Roku, but I have a USB, I've got a thumb drive stuck in the side of my Roku box. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen or more movies mm-hmm. on it. You know, some of the movies that we, we tend to watch o- over and over on a somewhat regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and just scroll through them, pick it from the list and watch it. And it's just playing right from a thumb drive to the Roku box out to the television. Mm-hmm. So there's all, you know, you don't even have to get up off your bum to go uh, change the <laughs> DVD or anything like that. So yeah, uh, that, that certainly helps. You, you know, and the, the one thing that I, I do find a limitation with the Apple TV is just not being able to attach storage to it. You know, I can understand why they may not have wanted to put a hard drive in there, mm-hmm. but it would be nice to have, you know, those DVDs that I've ripped over the years uh, to, you know, be able to have it on just a USB stick, plug it in. And, you know, if you're a Mac user, and most of the people listening to this show would probably know us from our, our Mac shows anyway. Right. Um, but, you know, you can have iTunes run in and then have the Apple TV. But I don't know about over in the U.S., but out here, our energy prices and, and the cost of energy is extreme. You know, we're getting taxed higher on energy. Again, it's coming through in the next uh, series of months uh, with a quote-unquote carbon tax. And, um, you know, it, it's all just going to put the price up. So, of course, if I've got to leave my computer running just to watch a movie on the Apple TV, that's just extra money that, you know, is, is not going to yeah. go and put food on the table. And, you know, it, it may not be much, but, you know, if you look at adding it up over a series of months or years, it can add up to be quite a significant expense, and therefore, if you can save the money, quite a significant saving. Um, so, you know, I really dislike that I've got to actually have the the iMac turned on all the time to be to play content that I've got on the iMac on the big screen TV. And nine times out of ten, what I do is I actually put it on the iPhone or the iPad and then just you know, share it to the Apple TV via that, um, via just the battery power. But there again, I've got to remember to actually put the movie onto the device and then, you know, play it back. You know, and certainly, you know, the ability to uh, stream movies that you've purchased and TV shows that you've purchased live on the Apple TV, um, that's pretty cool. I I enjoy being able to just go through, oh, that's right, I, I bought this movie, hit play, it authorizes and then it just starts streaming. But the um, yeah, the big problem is just your other content that you want to play and, and you're just stuck with leaving the Mac on. Um, and it just it irritates me. I'd like to just attach a little drive. I don't see what Apple's problem is with attaching a little USB drivers. You know, it's a simple thing. Every other manufacturer does it. They're, yeah, the, and, they're and, the only ones that say, you know, no, you can't do this. You have to do it our way. And it's like... Yeah, but your way doesn't work properly, you know. And, and then sometimes I'll have the the thing where okay, you you get your your drinks, you get your chips, you sit down, you want to watch the movie, you sit back, you hit play, and all of a sudden the file can't be found. So I've got to then come back into the office. I've got to quit iTunes, restart iTunes, go back out, try again. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. So then, you know, the next thing I do is I, I turn the Wi-Fi off and then I turn it back on. So, again, sometimes that'll fix it, sometimes it won't. 
third time lucky, I restart the whole entire system, have wasted 20 minutes, and I'm so frustrated that I don't feel like watching the damn movie in the end anyway. <laughs> Bloody Apple TV and linking it into iTunes. and You know, I love the Apple products. They're sleek. They're beautiful. For the most part, they work really, really well. But just... I, when I want to watch TV, I want to sit back, relax. I don't want to have to think about, you know, hey, you know, where am I getting this content from? Is it going to work? Hence why, you know, I've gone back somewhat to DVD. You know, I still mix it up between Apple TV, purchase content from iTunes and DVD. Basically, I go whichever's cheaper. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll then go for the cheaper alternative. But I've got to be quite honest, when iTunes mucks up and plays up, Frankly, I'd prefer to have a disc that you just take off the shelf, put in the DVD player, and it starts playing. Admittedly, yeah. the, the one advantage that the Apple TV has over the DVD is we don't get called thieves when um, the movies start up from the app, from the Apple TV. You know how they've got the the uh, first minute where they say, oh, don't steal, and, and you wouldn't steal a movie. And it's like, of course I would, because you're telling me I'm a friggin' thief. I'm going to steal yeah. a movie. I, you know, that still irritates me that I've got to, you know, watch know. that anti-piracy thing at the beginning of a film that I've just bought. It's like, you know, get a grip. If someone's bought it, you know, hmm. Anyway, we, you know, we could go on for another hour for that, Kevin, but I, I think maybe we should call the show to an end and um, let's tell the listeners where you can be found for the next week. Hopefully not defending yourself in a court of law after my <laughs> rampage on on lawyers, blood sucking lawyers. <laughs> um, you can find me in a non blood sucking place, Twitter, as uh, Twitter slash uh, big underscore in uh, underscore va, or if you go over to about.me and do slash Kevin Alder, that's with two L's. You can find me and the other things I do there, and the other podcasts I occasionally appear on. Such as NAMP and the Tech Lounge, I seem to appear on on occasion. So, fantastic! And and you know, I think if Twitter is anything, it's soul sucking. <laughs> That's Facebook. Oh, oh yeah, you know, yeah. No, I, I love Twitter too much. You're, you're right with that. Another plus one for Kevin. He's too ahead of me this week. And uh, for anything about me, just go across to everydaymaxsupport.com. Uh, you can see everything I'm doing, including my uh, new writing position at Max Specialist. And um, for anything relate, relating to the show, go to geekishowever.com. And if you want to email us, um, just simply... Uh, send us an email at gse at mymac.com. Thank you to everyone who has downloaded the show and subscribed yet again and, and put up with us for a, another week. Until next week, don't let the blood-sucking lawyers anywhere near you. Take care, and we'll see you again soon. And between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Siri, can you help me find a good podcast? Why do you want to find a good baseball bat? Podcast, you... Well, I like to listen to Pocket Size Podcast. It's a great short podcast about all things iOS and iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. And it's got a great co-host. You mean Peter? No, me. (sighs) Could you just find me a good book instead? Why do you want to become a crook instead? I thought it was men that weren't supposed to be able to understand women. Now searching for men who don't understand women. Oh. There are about 3.5 billion of them on Earth right now. I can find support groups for you. Now searching for support groups for men who don't understand women. Look, 
There's 12 near you. One of them even Whether you're a man or a woman, you'll find Pocket Sized Podcast to be a great resource for all things about Apple's iOS devices iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We feature reviews, interviews, and great coverage of all kinds of software and hardware devices. And the best part about it is, we don't talk about beta software, if you know who I mean. Ouch, that hurts. After all, we've been through together. Find us at pocketsizepodcast.com or search iTunes for Pocket Size Podcast.